0: The Last Word with Matt Cooper.
1: Today FM. It all happens here. Today FM. So for our weekly American spot, Marion McCone US correspondent with the Business Post, is with us. But first, Cal Thomas, how much of your vast fortune was caught up in Silicon Valley Bank? <laughs>
2: Well, welcome back, Matt. Missed you last week and your always uh, spirited questions. Well, I'm happy to say that I'm diversified in my uh, portfolio and I don't have any money in SVP or in Signature Bank. Uh, one of the things that bothers me, though, is that uh, without any penalties in the Biden administration, the president said that he's going to uh, protect investments above the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation $250,000 uh, limit. If, if there's no, uh, There doesn't seem to be any penalties for behaving like this. Uh- the banks of uh, uh, regulations have been rolled back under Donald Trump, uh, but also the you know one of the board members for Signature in New York, which was really big in this cryptocurrency, was Barney Frank, who was half of the uh, Dodd Frank uh, legislation that was supposed to impose regulations in 2008 after the subprime mortgage disaster that was supposed to prevent things like this. But when you don't enforce uh, penalties, when you let people off the hook, especially big. Investors, uh, like there were in the SBB Bank in uh, Silicon Valley, uh, where's the uh, disincentive not to do this again? So I'm very concerned about this. Uh, uh, the president's uh, moved in to say he's going to cover everything, and it's uh, nobody's going to lose any money. But uh, again, what what use is the law if uh, if it's not enforced?
1: Yeah, I would suspect, Mary McEown, that those responsible for the running of those banks are going to face very serious civil legal actions which could financially ruin them.
0: Uh, Yes, and Matt, I know you didn't ask how much money I had in SPB.
1: I know you're a pauper, (laughs) Marion.
0: But, you know, I do agree with a lot of what Cal just said, except for Cal, with regards to the Dodds-Frank legislation, which was brought in and, and co-authored by Barney Frank, who, as you said, is on the board of Signature. Much of that was rolled back by, guess who, in 2018? Donald Trump. So a lot of the regulations that had been put in place, you know, to keep an eye on the banks were, were jettisoned by by Donald Trump. So, you know, I think that, that it is important to note that. I think when it came down to it, that, that really Biden didn't have a lot of choice. Now, he's saying it's not a bailout. There won't be any taxpayers' funds used. It will be money that they've already taken from the banks. But you're right, it does seem to, to you know, banks shouldn't be able to take risks and and have this kind of thing happen and then think, you know, you've got the CEO of this bank, of, of um, SVB, who sold $3.6 million worth of shares a couple of weeks ago. Uh, you know, I think that needs to be investigated. And, they you know, I think you're right, Matt, there will be civil suits, but I think there also needs to be a pretty tough federal investigation into this and they need to look at either reinforcing the, the uh, Frank Dodd's legislation and regulations and adding some more on or just doing something because you can't have a situation where a bank goes, oh whoops we failed again but look we, we you know, we, what's going to happen to our customers that shouldn't be the responsibility of the government but anyway we are where we are and, and it seems that the, the jitters have been um, sort of resolved a little bit, we'll see where this goes, I mean there are other banks we saw Signature Bank as a Calsev's already closed.
1: But Cal, could it be that in many respects, this is the responsibility of the interest rate actions over more than a decade and a half at this stage of the Federal Reserve. That The crisis at Silicon Valley Bank has been prompted by the belated increase in interest rates from the historic lows. Haven't been able to cope with how they actually place their money in this new environment and the failure of regulation was because the Federal Reserve didn't want to admit that it had created the crisis the this bank and for others?
2: Well, you written a book about this uh, when the uh, banks had their problems in Ireland. Uh, Matt, I read it. I learned a lot, as I always do from you. <coughs> and uh, what we have here is a, is a serious problem in the United States. The financial policies of many administrations now, not just the current ones, that have contributed to a $31 trillion debt. Inflation was just announced again today at 6%, still high. Uh, Prices of eggs, renting cars, hotel rooms, just everything that uh, people are used to in everyday living in the U.S., and in fact, uh, anywhere, uh, continue to go up. Uh, you just can't, uh, you know, I, I saw this statement the other day by Senator Joe Manchin, uh, a, a Democrat from West Virginia. He, he said you can't tax your way, you can't spend your way out of debt and inflation. You have to have reasonable economic policies. And this this includes the bank, it includes the Fed, it includes politicians who don't want to ever say no to anything for fear of being demagogued as as against the poor, as against the elderly, as against children. We've heard this for over and over for many years in this country. And uh, we know how to fix it. It's just that the politicians don't have the guts to fix it. And that's the real tragedy here.
1: Let's move on, Marion. What significance should we attribute to Joe Biden's decision to have what looks like possibly a lengthy visit to Ireland, north and south, to mark 25 years since the Good Friday Agreement?
0: Well, I think that we all knew this visit was coming. It was The, the um, US ambassador had, had signalled us that he would definitely visit Ireland in early 2023, 20, 20, uh, which he is now doing. Uh, I think that it's You know, we all know about Joe Biden's Irish roots and his big affection for Ireland, and he never fails to mention Ireland and his Irish mother in every speech that he makes. Uh, So I think that he's been looking forward to this, been looking forward to doing it in an official capacity. I think that that the Windsor Agreement has allowed him to do that, and he did. He's on the West Coast um, at the moment, and he's in Monterey Park later and then Nevada. Uh, but he, it allowed him to, to meet with the, the British Prime Minister and, and to announce the visit. Uh, I think that it'll be probably quite a sentimental visit for him. As I say, you know, he'll visit where his family pro- comes from, I'm sure, and he'll meet with the, with the, um, Irish, um, you know, Dáil and leaders and all that. And, and it's an easy visit, but there's no downside to visiting Ireland for any U.S. president. You know, the, 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 Northern Ireland agreement is their biggest foreign policy success of, you know, the last half a century, you could say. Uh, so I, I think it's always a plus for them. And, uh, he, they've just issued a statement about the Taoiseach's visit on, uh, Fridays, noting what will what they'll be discussing, including Ukraine and um, a, a range of global issues. Apparently, I'm just reading it here, uh, and will reaffirm the close and historic partnership, etc., between the U.S. and Ireland. So, I think there's no real news out of this. We've all been expecting it, and and um, I, as I say, I'm sure he'll enjoy it.
1: No, your friend, former Vice President Mike Pence, Cal, is uh, the subject of the latest Donald Trump rant, in which Trump says, actually. The violence on January 6th, the famous event on Capitol Hill, was Mike Pence's fault. If Mike Pence hadn't actually gone counting those votes, which got rid of Trump and put Biden in instead, there wouldn't have been any of the violence. Ergo, it was all his fault.
2: This is a nightmare that never ends, Matt. I mean... Uh, yeah. Mike Pence did the right thing. He, he, he consulted constitutional experts. He consulted other people with uh, great experience in this area. And he said he was prohibited by the Constitution from doing what Trump wanted to do. If anybody is still on the fence about whether Donald Trump is crazy or not, this should put them over on the crazy side. I mean, you know, a lot of people have criticized Pence for not saying what he's saying now in his book and various interviews while he was vice president, might have been able to do some good. But uh, I think he's, uh, you know, he did the right thing. I think Trump, uh, there's very few people left for Trump to denounce. I wish he denounced me. I need some more book sales myself.
1: Marion, what Mike Pence said at the weekend was about Trump. His reckless words endangered my family and everyone at the Capitol that day. And I know that history will hold Donald Trump accountable. So when did Pence develop the cojones? How much of this is to do with maybe getting himself ready for his own run to be the Republican nominee in the next presidential election?
0: Well, you know, I think that's a really good question, because let's face it, what Mike Pence did, and it did take courage in the face of Trump and the MAGA mob, uh, all he did on January 6th was uphold the law. He did his job as it was laid out for him. Now, since then do you get applause as a vice president for merely upholding the law and observing your constitutional role in the Trump administration and the craziness? I think, yes, he is due some, some, you know, praise for that, but not since then. He refused to testify before January 6th. He's now fighting a subpoena from the special counsel, Jack Smith. Uh, you know, he says history will hold on Trump accountable. Well, he could do his part in letting history know exactly what happened so that it could hold on Trump accountable, but he's choosing not to. Like he spoke at the gridiron, it's behind doors, there are no cameras, it was a safe place for him to voice his disapproval. You know, there'll be, it won't be, nobody will be able to use it for ads in the campaigns or whatever. Uh, and I think that he really has done the bare minimum, and I would say, less than that since January 6th to hold Donald Trump accountable, so does he have, I'm not thinking he deserves any praise.
1: Does he have a chance of winning the Republican nomination, do you think? No, or? God no. I have a better chance. Carl, what do you think? Does your friend you. Mike Pence have a chance?
2: No, I don't think so. I mean, I just, I was with him a couple of weeks ago in Washington, and uh, you know, I was talking to him about a potential run, but uh, I like him a lot. I don't think he has a base, and you've got to have a base. And the only two people out there right now with any kind of voting base are Trump, sadly, and Ron DeSantis, governor of Florida. There's just nobody else. Nikki Haley doesn't have a, a base. Uh, this fellow whose name I can't pronounce uh, with uh, Indian Heritage uh, doesn't have a base. And uh, so it's all about the base. Uh, Mike Pompeo doesn't have a base. A uh, lot of good people out there, but you've got to have a base to run. I uh, you still know, a year before the first primaries. And uh, it's a few months, I think August, before the first debate, so things can change. But uh, as of right now, there are only really two credible candidates, Uh, one the incredible, Donald Trump, and the other, Ron DeSantis.
1: What about his comments about the Transportation Secretary, Pete Buttigieg? Um, when Pete's two children were born, he took two months maternity leave. Whereupon, thousands of travellers were stranded in airports. The air traffic system shut down, and airplanes nearly collided in our runways. Pete's the only person in human history to have a child, and everyone else gets postpartum depression.
2: That's well, uh, not a very I, I clearly, nice comment, yeah, but a mildly. No. No, I, I wouldn't have said that. I mean, even though it's a gridiron dinner, I've been to the gridiron dinner. Uh, the, the, the the slogan is uh, "singe but don't burn." Uh, Democrats have uh, said all kinds of things about religious people and conservatives and white people and the rest, but. There are certain protected classes that you just cannot uh, denounce, but I didn't think, first of all, I didn't think it was funny, and secondly, I thought it was inappropriate, and he could have made the point if he wanted to talk about, uh, uh, you know, as you say, transportation in Palestine, uh, uh, Ohio, and the uh, toxic uh, train wreck, he could have done it in other ways, but I don't think that was an appropriate way to do it.
1: Yeah, because Marion, using postpartum depression as a punchline for a joke isn't exactly a very wise decision, is it?
0: Well, you know, I... I really agree with Cal. First of all, a joke has to be funny, okay? There was nothing funny about that joke. It was stupid. It was a stupid joke and it was offensive as well. And you know what? I mean, okay, you know, everybody says stupid things now and again, but, but, and sometimes jokes are redeemed just by the fact that they are very funny. People will go, okay, yeah, well, that was funny. This wasn't, this wasn't anything other than, you know, offensive, yeah. You shouldn't have said it.
1: Well, let's end on something that's funny. Could it be the Stormy Daniels will be the one who will bring Donald Trump down
0: well How are you? <laughs> so to speak <laughs> um, <laughs> you know <laughs> It could well be. It does seem as though um, an indictment is looming in in New York. That that, that uh, Alvin Bragg is Trump was invited to testify before the grand jury. That's kind of the last courtesy usually before an indictment. Is like, have you anything you'd like to say? Okay, fine. Well, we're going ahead with this. We will see. I mean, certainly Mike Cohen went to prison for three years for doing what Donald Trump told him. But Trump now has a new defence on this. He's now saying that he was a victim of extortion. That Stormy Daniels was extorting him and all he asked Mike, or Mike Cohn to do was to sort it out without breaking the law. So this is his new defence. I'm not thinking it will work, <laughs> but I still think that, that the biggest one, um, I think his, his biggest liability is still Georgia if the Republicans don't pass this law specifically to get rid of Fannie Willis, which I think they're going to try to do. But we'll, we'll see where, where it ends up.
1: Cal, it, well, it took him a long time to drag. come up with the extortion line, didn't it? Yeah, that's pretty
2: funny. Uh, that's like uh, blaming somebody uh, for uh, taking a drink when they're uh, offered a free one at a pub. But I wish Alvin Bragg would uh, go after violent criminals in New York with at least the same uh, uh, attitude as he uh, is going after Donald Trump. You've got people still uh, roaming the streets who should be in jail, committing new violent crimes, and he's on this uh, lower no bail kick. But then uh, after after Trump, so uh, you know, I think that's a lot of that is political.
1: Of course, there are people who would allege that Donald Trump is a violent criminal. There are, there's oh, one woman, yes, at least, sure. who he has alleged rape against him.
2: Uh, yeah. Well, look, nobody has ever accused uh, Donald Trump or Bill Clinton of fidelity.
1: But, Mary, in this case, isn't it, that there has been <laughs> well, accusations yeah, of I'm violence?
0: This case is looming and um, it's scheduled to start with, with, against um, E. Jean Carroll is suing him under a, a, a sexual battery law that was introduced in New York last November, which allows you know victims for whom the statute of limitations has expired one year to, to basically bring their claim. Now, she was already bringing a claim. I won't get into the weeds of it. Uh, but she's, the, the, the case of sexual battery against Donald Trump is expected to start in late April and it's certainly not going to do him any favours if that case okay. is out there. She has said she won't settle. Uh, so, yeah, I think that's a, another big headache for Donald Trump.
1: Thank you very much, Mary McKeown and Cal Thomas. Quite a few of you saying that in the case of Silicon Valley Bank, it's the deposit holders who will be protected, but the investors certainly won't, that they will lose plenty of money from investing in that particular bank.
0: The Last Word with Matt Cooper. Weekdays from 4.30. Today FM.